Good morning, everyone. My name is Adam. So glad that you have joined us as we continue on in our series called Relationship Goals. So last week, Kurt talked about singleness. This morning, we're talking about dating. When you hear the word dating, what are some words that come to your mind? I'm going to write a few on this whiteboard. If you want to shout one out, go for it. I think of dating. Huh? Uh, I thought it Awkward, oh boy. Dating can definitely be awkward. Uh, maybe think of love, hurt, it can be fun. Dinner? dinner? All right. That, that is definitely a perk to dating, going on dinners. Compromise, that's a pretty serious one. Togetherness, run out of space. There you go, I think this is a, a pretty good start here. And if you've ever been in a dating relationship before, you could probably relate to some of these things written up here on this board. And you know that dating can really be a mixed bag of emotions. That sometimes it's great and it's fun, and sometimes it comes with its fair share of, of heartache and loneliness and seeking. And dating, honestly, can be pretty tricky to navigate. Everywhere from going on the first date to then communicating about expectations and intentions. And all the while, you're just trying to figure out, is this the one? Is this the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with? Now, I'm happy to say that I'm getting married in two months. So stoked for that. But also kind of glad to be done with dating because, honestly, it was pretty awkward for me. Uh, I went on my first unofficial date with Gabby to Letch not Ledgeworth, Lackawanna State Park. We did some kayaking, and afterwards, she so nicely called me up and asked if it was even a date, and then she told me that she was not interested whatsoever in dating me. So I just played it cool. I was like, yeah, I'm not really interested in doing long distance anyways. And so that kind of was a damper on the relationship, but we began to pick up some momentum, and she wanted to know where our relationship was at. Like, are we just friends or are we anything more than that? And so she asked me, and I thought she was going to put me in the friend zone. So I just put myself in the friend zone. I very quickly said, we're just friends. And then I had to crawl out of the friend zone. And Gabby is not afraid to tell me that I was pretty awkward even before we started dating and even when we first started dating. Notice it's the first word on this whiteboard. Uh... Because the first time that she came to Bridgewater, we were just friends at the time, it was open house Sunday, and I told everybody, pick up a chair and take it out to the parking lot. And so I met up with her in the lobby, and she had a chair in one hand, and when she saw me, she stretched out her arm like this for a side hug, and I didn't know what she was going for, so I gave her a high five, <laughs> and after I slapped her hand, I knew that I had made a mistake. <laughs> so... Dating can be pretty awkward. Uh, so whether 
you are single and you're looking to mingle or you're currently in a dating relationship, my hope for us this morning is to be able to look at God's word, to see some principles that can help us in our relationship to honor God. And I know that not everybody here is in a stage of life or a season where you're single or dating. I know many of you are married, and so maybe you're wondering, like, all right, is this message just for other people? But even if you're in that boat, maybe you're a parent and you have kids who are nearing the age of dating, or you're still a pretty young person, you've been married a few years, and you still have friends who are in this season of life where they are dating or looking to date. And so my hope for you is that you would be equipped with the same principles that we're talking about this morning so that you can come along somebody else and help them navigate this whole dating thing. Because honestly, the Bible is not super clear when it talks about dating. Because dating is a cultural concept. If you look back in biblical days, a lot of weddings were arranged by the parents. The parents would decide who their child would marry. If you're a parent this morning, you might be like, I wish we could just go back to those days. And if you're a child, you're probably like, I would rather die than have my parents pick out the person for me to marry. And so that is why dating is a thing in today's culture. And dating has changed from time to time and culture to culture. If we were just to rewind like 30, 40 years ago, dating looked a little bit different than it does today. Most of the time, the men would drive all the way out to their date's house just to pick up the girl and then take her to a date. Or they would have the courtesy to get out of their car, walk around, and open up the car door for their date. And I asked Gabby, like, do I have to do that for you? And she said, no. I was like, Phew. all right, that's, that's an awkward one for me. But then there's even dressing up to go on dates. I mean, that's something that was more common back a few years ago. And to dating today looks a little bit different, even from technology. It used to be you would have to go to social gatherings in order to meet other single people. Well, now you can just swipe on a dating app and get connected with people. And then there's FaceTime. You don't have to just wait three days for a letter to arrive in the mail. You can talk to somebody face-to-face -face through a screen. And those things aren't really good or bad. I mean, they're just there. But then there's also some things that are very common in dating today that I think are just so destructive. As I was getting ready for this message, I did a, a Google search on the Internet and just looking up modern-day dating tips, and I found a lot of really bad advice. And one of the things that I read was, Date for fun, not a destination. And I think that is what I would call casual dating. Just being in a relationship for what you can get out of it in the moment. And maybe that's just for attention. And maybe that's to put a band-aid on your loneliness or to have status. I mean, maybe you think about status and you think, ah, that's for high schoolers. But even as adults... That comes with dating and just looks a little bit differently or maybe having somebody to sleep with. And the Bible might not be super clear on dating, but the Bible is clear on singleness and marriage. And so because the Bible is clear about singleness and marriage, I think that we should all take dating pretty seriously. And what I would call intentional dating is dating 
to evaluate somebody's suitability for marriage. And dating can be a whole lot of fun, but dating is a way to get to a destination, and that destination is marriage. The way I like to think about it is getting into a car. I get into a car to drive to the grocery store, but I would defeat the whole point of even getting into that car if I pulled up to the grocery store parking lot and then I just hung out in my car the whole time. And sometimes that's what happens when you're in a dating relationship and it's not moving you towards marriage. It's not leading you to a destination. And if you can't picture yourself marrying the person that you are dating, you probably should not be dating them. And I know it's really blunt to say it like this, but there's really two outcomes that come from dating. Either you break up or you get married. And like I said before, I'm getting married in just a couple of months. But up to this point in my life, I've been through a fair share of relationships that have not worked out. And maybe you can relate to that. And I just want to encourage you to say that even though you've been through broken relationships, even though you've maybe experienced rejection, it does not mean that you are a failure. And the flip side is also true. Just because you get married, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are successful. And here's why. You are better off having good singleness than a bad marriage. It's so much better to be single wishing that you were married and to be married and wishing that you were single. And so this morning's message is not going to be about three easy steps to get from singleness to marriage. Uh, this is all about being the men and women that God has called you to be. And even if you end up single for the rest of your life, it does not mean that you are any less of a person. And so we'll be looking at three principles from the Bible. First and foremost, for us to apply in our own lives. And then three qualities, those same qualities, to look for in anybody else that you are either currently dating or considering dating. And the f all of this leads up to the f biggest piece of advice that I would ever give to somebody. And that is... Become the person that you are looking for. Because if you are in this boat of singleness or you're dating, you're probably looking for the one. You're looking for somebody who can complete you, someone who will love you for who you are, to be with you in the highs and the lows. Maybe you're looking for somebody who's good-looking, enjoys the things you like to do, and is hard-working. And honestly, it can be pretty tough to find somebody like that. And maybe you've, you've been searching for a while and you're feeling discouraged or you're at a stage of life where most of your friends are already married and you're thinking, ah, all the good ones are taken. But instead of asking ourselves, is there anybody out there for me? I think that one of the best things you can do is to flip that question around and ask, am I the kind of person that somebody else is looking for? Because dating is more about being the one than finding the one. And I've had people ask me, what has attracted me to Gabby? And honestly, it's the way that she was living her single life. At the time that I met her, she wasn't looking to get into a relationship. She was just focusing on growing in her relationship with God. 
She was reading the Bible, praying. She was serving in church on the worship team. And all this while, even in her season of singleness, she was reading books on marriage. She was listening to podcasts on marriage because she wanted to be the best possible wife that she could be down the road if someday she ever got married. And that was something that was so attractive to me because I was headed on that same direction of growing in my relationship with God and wanting to serve in the church. And so this morning, we'll look at three qualities that will help us to be the one and also three qualities to look for in anybody that you would consider dating. And the first one is to fear God. And this comes from Proverbs 14, 26. It says, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. I think that this quality applies to anybody who is single and looking to date, and even those of you who are married. And we should all ask ourselves the question, do I fear God? And it doesn't mean that you're scared of God and you're like hiding in a corner every time you do something wrong. But what that means is to have a respect for God that leads you to live in obedience to him. It's going through life asking yourself, does this honor God? And if you fear God, then you'll be doing what the Bible says. You'll be reading the Bible, you'll be praying, and if you fear God, then you're not going to be going out on the weekend to get drunk with your friends. If you fear God, you're not going to be doing things with your boyfriend or girlfriend that God strictly designed for marriage. And fearing the God and living in this way that the Bible teaches, it might feel pretty confining. Like, it puts you in a box and just tells you all the things that you can't do. But what living in the fear of God really does is it offers security and it offers life. And not just for you, but even for your family. And those of you who are single and young, you might not be thinking about kids down the road. But even for those of you who are married, to know that living in fear of God gives security to your kids. And the choices that you make today don't just have an impact on your life, but it has an impact on the future generation. And so even if you don't have kids yet, the way that you are living your life, I think will have an impact on even your kids down the road. For your family to know that you are living in a way that honors God and that no matter what comes up in your life, that you're not just going to fly off the handle or seek after your own desire, but that you're going to live in the way that God wants you to live. And if you, if you take your relationship with God really seriously, then my encouragement for you if you are dating is to also look for somebody else who takes their relationship with God really seriously. If you've grown up in the church before, you've been around Christian culture, you've probably been told, all right, Christians should only date other Christians. But I've seen this in my friends and so many people who will be like, well, he calls himself a Christian and he goes to church every now and again, or at least she believes in God. And I think we could take things a step further and say, like, is that person not just claiming to be a Christian, 
but are they living their life for God? And if you're following after God, wouldn't you be so much better off to spend the rest of your life as a teammate with somebody else who is following after God? Because honestly, I mean, you can be a Christian and not fear God that much and not live in obedience to God. And just because somebody goes to church, even if somebody goes to Bible college, it doesn't really mean that they are taking their walk with God all that seriously. And there is so much security in knowing that the person that you are in a relationship with is going to follow after God and make decisions that honor him. Because you can date for years on end, and, and still you don't always know how that person is going to respond in certain situations, and you don't always know exactly how they will behave down the road. But there's so much security in knowing that if there's any trials that come up in the relationship, that those challenges will be dealt with, with humility and forgiveness. To know that the person that you're marrying is committed to do things God's way, to stay committed to that marriage no matter what the hardships come up, and committed to growing in that relationship. And so I think that living in fear of God is one of the most foundational qualities, both for us to model in our own lives and also to look for in anybody that we would consider dating. And then secondly, another thing that we can do uh, to model in our lives is to make wise choices. And this comes from Proverbs 12, 15. It says, The way of a fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. And then if we skip down to verse 26, it says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. And if you want to make wise choices, one of the best things that you can do is to have a wise and godly person speaking into your life. And when I look back on my life, I can see that the times that I made good decisions are when I had somebody who was speaking into my life and I gave them a window into what I was working on and where I was really at. And the times in my life where I didn't really make good decisions is when I trusted my own judgment and just tried to do things on my own. Right now, I'm in premarital counseling with Josh Jones and Kristen. And one of the things that Josh was reminded me is that we never get to a point in our lives when we graduate from needing somebody who is godly and wise to speak into us. And so that's true if you are single, if you are dating, and even if you are married. We all need people who can speak into our lives. And the decision to marry somebody is one of the biggest decisions that you could ever make. And if if intentional dating is all about evaluating somebody's suitability for marriage, why not get other people involved on that whole evaluation process? Because let's be honest, if you're in a, re a relationship where you're very emotionally attached, and maybe you're even getting physical affection, it can make you really blind to judging whether or not that is a person that you should really be with. And just less than two years ago, I was dating this girl in New York. At first, I asked my parents, like, hey, should I ask this girl out? And my mom's like, yeah, go for it. And then three months down the road, my mom was like, you should not be dating this girl. Uh, and it just it wasn't the best fit for me. And 
I was like, Mom, I don't know if I can cut this off. I don't want to make her cry. And my mom was very adamant that I should break up with this girl. And so I thought about it. I got some advice. I prayed about it. And so I met up with this girl, and I just very honestly told her, like, hey, I can't date you anymore. And then instead of crying, she was like, yeah, I was actually hemming and hawing over this relationship and didn't know if it would work out either. And so I walked away from that feeling such a sense of relief and just knowing that I'm not continuing to invest in something emotionally that really would not be a good fit for me down the road. And I'm so thankful that my mom had the boldness to speak up and to tell me really what I did not want to hear. It is so hard to tell somebody like, hey, I don't think you should be with this person. Maybe they're not following Jesus or maybe you're just not at a maturity level where this is healthy for you right now or a stage of life. And it's so hard to even hear that. But we all need to have somebody in our life who can just shoot straight with us and be super honest and speak uh, wisdom into our lives. And when you're evaluating somebody for marriage, I think it's so important to pay attention to the quality of their friends. I mean, just going back to Proverbs uh, verse 26, it says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. I've heard it said that you are the average of your five closest friends. And I don't know if that's 100% true all the time, but I do think that there is a hint of truth to that, that your friends really do rub off on you. And so if you're dating somebody who surrounds themselves with people who are not following after God and people who are a bad influence on their lives and making bad decisions, then that should be a red flag on the person that you are dating. And another red flag is if the person that you are dating doesn't have any close friends. Because one of the scary things with dating is that you put your best foot forward. You want to put yourself in a good light so that the other person really likes you. And sometimes when there's emotions involved and all of that, if you're not paying attention to the relationships that the other person has with other people, you might get yourself into a relationship that really is not a solid relationship. And then after the butterflies and rainbows disappear, you might realize like, oh man, they were just putting on an act this whole time just so that I would be attracted to them. And so looking at the quality of somebody else's friends is a really good indicator of knowing if this is somebody that you should even be in a relationship with. And so the takeaway from that is to have people speaking into your life and to also look at the quality of other people's friends. And then lastly, you can become the person that you are looking for when you work hard. If we go to Proverbs chapter 24 and pick up in verse 30, it says that I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere and the ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. And outside of the book of Proverbs, I don't think I've ever heard the word sluggard before. 
That's really just a word for a lazy person. And I'm not saying that you have to work a nine to five or put in 40 hours a week. But what this really comes down to is just having a work ethic. And if you want to have a family someday, well, you kind of need a job to support that family. And even if you want to be a homemaker, well, that also requires work. And maybe you don't just spend your time sleeping around the house, but one of the things that's been really discouraging for me or concerning for me is observing that a lot of people today spend so much time watching TV and playing video games. And it's not that it's necessarily wrong to watch TV and play video games, but it really comes down to priorities. I was talking to a pretty young kid a few months ago, and he told me that he logged 1,000 hours playing a certain video game. And so I did the math, I was like, wow, if this kid was working a job that made $10 an hour, he would have $10,000 at like 15 years old. And maybe for you it's not necessarily watching TV or, or uh, playing video games, but maybe it's the habit of just super late at night fiddling around on your phone and then waking up super late in the morning. And there's some things that you can just get away with when you're single that become really destructive in a marriage relationship down the road. And there's a pastor named Mike Todd who says that we don't marry potential, we marry patterns. And the patterns that you have in your life now will follow with you even into marriage. If you get married, you're not just gonna like flip a switch and all of a sudden become a new person. And so my encouragement for you is to have patterns in your life that will make your marriage better and to cut out patterns in your life, even in your singleness, that would be destructive to a marriage relationship down the road. Because marriage is about being a team. And it's really hard for any team, if there is a person on that team who's just lazy and doesn't put in work, it's not good for performance and it's not good for unity. And if you are single or dating, I think that one of the best things that you can do is to just build into your life a good work ethic, a good standard of priorities. And maybe that means uh, just being productive with your time. Maybe that means going out and getting a job. And also to look for somebody who also has a good work ethic and would make for a really good team with you. And as we kind of wrap things up, I just want to bring us back to the purpose of dating. And the purpose of intentional dating is to evaluate somebody's suitability for marriage. And if you're, just, if you're at a stage of life where marriage is not even on your horizons, you think like, oh, that's, that's so far away. And I really want to encourage you that this is not the time of your life to be dating. Because if you're dating before you're ready to get married or if the time of getting married is not even close to you right now, you're probably just going to go through a lot of emotional ups and downs and heartbreak at a time of your life when you really don't need that. And also, if you're currently dating somebody and you're thinking like, man, maybe this isn't the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with, don't be dating somebody that you know you're not going to marry. Because the same is true, that you're just pouring emotions into a relationship that isn't leading you to the best destination. And 
as we wrap things up a little bit, a few steps for you this morning could be to just grow in your fear of God, to go through life asking, is what I'm doing honoring to God? Maybe that means spending some time to read the Bible or pray or, or just putting into action some of the things that you read in the Bible. And then also to maybe get a job. If you're a high school student and now that summer's come around, you're done with school and you're thinking about what to do with your summer, I'd really want to encourage you to, to put in some work. And even if you only make a few bucks, at least what that can do is help develop in you a good work ethic that can help carry you throughout the rest of your life. And then for all of us, no matter what season of life we are in, to have somebody who can speak into our lives. And maybe you're here this morning and you're married. Maybe the best thing that you can do is to speak into the life of a younger person or somebody who is trying to navigate a dating relationship. Uh, that's, we all need help in this area of relationships. None of us have it all together. But the encouragement is that no matter what season of life you are in, the best thing that we can do is to just honor God right where we're at uh, with the relationship status that we have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you that uh, even though the Bible doesn't really talk about dating very specifically, that your word says something about everything. And I thank you that uh, your word is a guide for our lives. And I ask that we would just use our relationships uh, in a way that honors you, that it wouldn't be about what we can get about it in the moment, uh, but I ask that we would just um, make the most of whatever season of life that you have us in. And I ask that all of us would have godly and wise people speaking into our lives, uh, no matter if you're married or single. And I ask that, um, that all of us, too, would also be that person to speak truth into somebody else's life and to help each other on the path of following you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.